Hello and welcome back to the Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Because of the COVID crisis, many managers have had to adapt to teams remotely. I talked to Frank Scott Lennon from HR for Better Workplaces and his daughter Sinead, who co-authored a new pocketbook, Performance Conversations, which addresses how managers can collaborate with their employees on their future and individual development through regular performance rather than the good old annual review. Hello, welcome back to the Think Business Podcast. I'm joined today by Frank Scott Lennon and his daughter Sinead Scott Lennon. They both uh, co-authored a great book, Performance Conversations. It's a pocket book, but it's full of tips, tools and techniques to bring out um, help uh, outstanding employee achievement through focused and motivational conversations. It's an interesting time, uh, guys. You're very welcome. It's a very interesting time to write a as such a book because the workplace as we know it is not really the way it was probably when you even conceived of this idea so i suppose when, when, um, when you think about it performance conversations versus say annual reviews performance reviews that you know are part and parcel of most workplaces i, I can't imagine how they're really been happening now in the current environment and if they are they're probably being done through mediums like zoom probably takes away some of the personal touch but how do you how do you, how do you, how, first of all, how would you define performance conversations and how would they work in a typical scenario? I think that the best definition would be that they are conversations that a manager or team leader should have with their team member every four, six, eight weeks um, that kind of are an ongoing performance conversation rather than this dreaded uh, annual appraisal at the end of a year that oftentimes ends up negative for uh, either or both parties. Mm. And if, if you have um, had meaningful performance conversations through the year that are characterized by they being future-oriented, um, regular, um, focused on the priorities for the team members' work in the coming four to six weeks, focused on the support the uh, manager or team leader should be providing for that team member. Mm -hmm. Um, That's quite radically different than the traditional form-filling, box-ticking exercise that has been performance appraisal. Um, And for those organizations who want to continue with performance appraisals, if they ended up working also with performance conversations, they will radically alter uh, the content of the performance appraisals uh, on an annual basis. Yeah. And Sinead, uh, tell us about what you think of this as well, because I mean... uh most of us dream of writing books, but very few of us envisage writing uh, books with a parent. So how did that come about? And how, how, does, how, did, how did the process flow? And uh, did you guys have to have your own performance reviews midway through this whole, uh, this whole uh, uh, process? That's a good question. And, and let me just be clear, it was me, um, you know, sitting my dad down and, and telling him that we need performance conversations. No, I'm kidding. Um, this was a brilliant opportunity for me. Um, Dad uh, had written on this subject in the past and uh, was asked to do 
to do another iteration of this and um, decided that he would need a, a manager to um, a hands-on kind of manager who to enrich the content of the book. Um, so I was absolutely delighted when he called me and said, how about uh, collaborating on this? So uh, yeah, it made absolute, absolute sense. I've always been really intrigued and inspired uh, by the work that dad does. Indeed, uh, he is my as well as my dad, he's my mentor. Um, so throughout my years managing people, um, when I, you know, hit a wall or wasn't sure what to do, he's always, he's always the guy I went to. Um, so, and I've learned so much, even as a child, um, I used to collate some of his notes and things like that when he was doing uh, lectures and I used to absorb what, what was going on around me. Um, so to do the book together was a dream. The process you asked about there, John, um, was, uh, very much like this COVID process, even though it was pre-COVID, we uh, we did it was all done via either Zoom, probably not even Zoom then. Actually, I don't think we had even really started using Zoom, but we did it via Skype and um, you know FaceTime and things like that. Um, and then luckily we had a few weeks together in uh, uh, during the summer at one point where we were able to to kind of escalate things. But uh, yeah, it was it was a brilliant process. And I suppose um, the situation we're currently in, I mean, the idea of an annual review is ingrained in many organisations, but as, and as I, I would say, they, they, once the crisis hit, a lot of those reviews are simply being postponed or not happening, or if they are, it's done through a medium that most people aren't familiar with. Usually uh, these conversations are kind of uh, quite intimate conversations and personal, but now we're in a situation where like in in the case of Bank of Ireland, we went from a situation where we'd uh, 10,000 people working on premises to suddenly 7,000 of those working from home ever since March. And we've, we've kept going, but it's, and, and it's been a credit to the organisation. But, it, you know, for many organisations, all the various ways they would have done things has been kind of thrown out the window. Everyone's kind of hanging on by a digital tread to what they, what they perceive as work. It's not easy on the mind. It's hard on, on, on morale. Um, but most people seem to be muddling through. But... Where will where do you think the idea of performance reviews or performance conversations are are they are they already an existing way of doing things? Is this something that you would like to see ingrained in, embrace more as companies try to grapple with the going from a strategic situation to a tactical week by week existence? Before before I, I address the question, um, I have to give you a little anecdote. When you mentioned Bank of Ireland, um. For my sins, and probably being cursed by many of the managers in Bank of Ireland, the very first performance management system that was put into the bank was put in by me. And all of the managing directors, regional managers, AGMs uh, throughout the bank uh, were trained by me at that time. It was just after, it could put a year on it, I can't now, but when Mark Healy Hutchinson took over as uh, uh, chief executive or managing director, I can't remember the title. Um, anyway, um, you see, one of the reasons I was asked to write the book was that the, the trend was changing in major organizations from uh, the traditional performance appraisal to uh, somewhat close to what we have described under various different names. Um, so um, it, somewhere about three years ago, the major organizations, um, the first research actually been done by Deloitte's, 
Um, and after that, a, a number of uh, seminal articles um, uh, summarizing the, the move that uh, many, many of the large organizations have, have now gotten to where they are having um, performance conversations as the core method of managing performance. Um, so for those organizations, it ain't really difficult now that it is uh, it, it, through a, a virtual medium rather than one-to-one face-to-face in traditional way um, because they have been practicing performance conversations. If we come down from the larger uh, organizations, all of the ones that you can think of, uh, the the international names, uh, multinational names, uh, to um, the larger SMEs, it is percolating in there not yet percolating into small SMEs, uh, but but I think over time, uh, people will see uh, the benefit and it'll spread even to that sector. Will it take the sting out of the idea of the performance or the annual review? <laughs> it's something people dread. And when it goes well, everyone loves it. When it doesn't go well, nobody loves it, uh, like most things, I imagine. But the, the idea of it being a kind of a more ongoing conversation you know, will it take the sting out of that kind of sense of, oh, I'm being appraised to be something more constructive? And yeah, Absolutely. And, and you see, one of the reasons why it was dreaded uh, happens to be that we built into the system uh, rating scales. We should burn every rating scale we saw, particularly where uh, many systems gave a form to the team member, said, please complete and rate yourself. And then the manager or team leader also rated. And I rated myself uh, a four and, and you rate myself a two or a three. Or rate me a two or a three. Um, so the very process that should have been a collaborative conversation was being set up as an argumentative one. And, 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 and I'm feeling dissatisfied that you think, after all this effort I've put in, that I am uh, only a three or a two. Um, and, and so, so it was inherent that, that people were going to, I think Sinead used a phrase, uh, dread, or maybe it's a different phrase, uh, Sinead, but, 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 but that is, uh, that is uh, uh, how such systems had built in deterrence, Sinead. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. In in all the years that I've been doing annual reviews and when I was forced into, you know, these rating scale systems with, you know, HR departments wagging the finger if you don't have the forms in on time, all it did was create a massive, massive admin, but yeah, just like dad said, a non-collaborative, uh, dreaded kind of conversation. Um, I think hopefully I, performance conversations before I even knew what they were called, um, it, it just seemed to be something that I did naturally. So it, it, I knew that it, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just regularly catching up with my team. I didn't have a label for it, but I found that the um, appraisal at the end of the year um, were always much better when that had happened. So this is just confirming it. Um, it, it. You know, you don't have to be looking back over your shoulder and dragging someone through the dirt because six months ago they didn't deliver on a project or whatever. You will have had that conversation. You will have found out what is going on in that person's life um, to, to, to cause that challenge. Is it a personal thing? Are they having a trouble with Johnny over there in, in this team who isn't helping them and, and you can overcome that together. So yeah, it, it all makes absolute sense. 
Yeah, because I imagine it's like a, you're in a kind of a defensive posture and you're kind of validating yourself, defending yourself almost, uh, when most of the time you really want to get the best out of people and you want people, you, you hear these terms like bring the best, your best self to work. Well, my best self isn't a defensive posture. <laughs> I don't think, I'm, I'm my best self is when I'm enthusiastic and, uh, you know, driving forward with something or I feel trusted, empowered, you know, this is my baby, I'm going to drive forward with this. That's when I'm shining, I'm at my best. But if I'm in defensive posture, that's like, you know, like, it's like, you could, and a, and a year is a long time. I mean, a lot can change in a year. You could start a year brilliantly or you could start a real bad year badly. I mean, things can change in a year. The market could change. And, and, and that gives me, uh, me uh, the thought to say two things. One, in relation to what Sinead mentioned, HR departments. Performance management is not and should not be owned by HR departments. It should be owned by the line manager and his or her boss and their boss mm. who really want to imbue this organization with uh, a, a system that, that, that actually works well. Um, and, and, and very often, um, one of the downfalls is that in the past was that managers felt imposed upon by uh, HR departments uh, ringing a bell or sending out emails, whereas in actual fact, Sinead and I in our book are really driving at uh, the performance compensation process being absolutely, totally owned within the line. Yeah, I, I even, uh, I, I wrote a blog, I think, when I had just started working uh, with you uh, at HR for Better Workplaces, Dad, and it was along the lines of, can we finally wrestle this process back from the HR departments? And it does, it, it does and will require managers to be brave um, and have that conversation with uh, HR departments and with their bosses to say, this should sit firmly with me. And I say the word, I use the word wrestle in that blog because it, it it won't just happen naturally. HR will feel like that it needs to sit with them. Um, but it, I, I think people just have to be brave um, and and make a decision to adapt this process and have the conversations and, and, and move and forward. We're not just beating up and saying there's no role for HR. And just talking about ownership, they yeah. have an advisory role. They can mm. they can help design this kind of a system that we're talking of in the book, performance conversations, and say, uh, "Here's how we will do this," and 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 facilitate the managers, support the managers in doing it, rather than police a system that they own. Mm. And what's the best way to start with this? I mean, who usually is the who leads the charge in this initiative normally in organization? Is it the CEO? Is it the HR manager, C, HR director, C-suite person? Who, who leads the charge? Who's the best person positioned to introduce this kind of system? And then what typically happens? Is it, is it, is it usually embraced and celebrated or championed then by line managers who feel either freed up? Or, and is that a consequence, of course, are, are line managers a bit more freed up and more proactive as a result? Um, the typical uh, uh, leader to uh, introduce this, in my view, is either the CEO or the COO. Okay? Um, and and if, if they do it and have perhaps even doing a quick survey of individuals uh, throughout the business to see 
um, whether or not they would like a system such as this to get ownership into it. Um, such a survey usually will end up with, uh, yes, please, yes, please, because we don't like the other. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, some managers will turn around and say, God, you want me, I have, I have 20 people or 15 people, and you want me to spend 20 minutes with them every six or eight weeks. Uh, I'm a very busy person, not able to do that. And I say, if your job really is to lead and motivate and support your team, primarily, then you must make that time. Mm-hmm. And usually that argument wins, but it only wins if the line manager, so the, the COO has uh, uh, 10 different units reporting to him, if he chases into those units and s- says, have you done uh, this quarter's uh, two uh, performance conversations already? If you haven't, I'll beat you on the head mm. uh, in, in a nice way. Uh, but 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 that's that's who the initiator and the champion must be within the line. Mm. Well, most current organisations, uh, most line managers have to have one to ones with their staff anyway, mostly on a daily basis or a, you know every second day at least. And uh, usually it's for some other reason, like there's something needs to be fixed or something needs to be done. There's no way. There's no. It's not. It shouldn't be too hard to kind of imbue this into the regular flow of conversations anyway that you could say well I'm going to be talking to this person just as much anyway so while I have you you know here we are talking about something like you know in reality everything is tactical in a business um you're constantly changing constantly adjusting you know you're gonna be talking to these people anyway right yeah I I would say as well the 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 one-to-one thing that you're talking about like every day every second day that's usually going through a to-do list that's going mm. through an action plan, right? We need to get from A to B on this project. The, the, the idea of the performance conversation is actually almost putting the two to-do list to the side. It's turning, it's shutting down the laptop. It's turning the phone upside down and having a future focused conversation um, about priorities, how you're going to achieve those priorities and goals and what you need from your manager in order to get them. So yes, there are one-to-ones, but um, performance conversations are, uh, uh, it's deeper. It's more about that person and the manager and how they're working together. Mm. And, and earlier I meant to make the point and then uh, wondered and didn't. Um, uh, you mentioned about objectives and, and uh, objectives for a year. There's very, very few jobs where objectives, the same objectives last for, for a couple of months, never mind a year. Uh, we, we are in such a, a changing world. Uh, John, you used the word agile earlier. So we need agile systems. We need agility within our skill set that allow us say um, things are going to change so rapidly. We actually need to sit down every six to eight weeks and, and, and refocus on what the, the ever changing priorities are and how we will support uh, the team member uh, in knocking down obstacles to achievement of those priorities and, and how we will work meaningfully for their development. Mm-hmm. In the old appraisal days, we paid lip service to a little box at the end of a performance appraisal about somebody's development. These performance conversations focus also clearly on um, the development of the, of the individual around these priorities and what they might need in, in a development sense to cope better with them. I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well. Like, I mean, 
when 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 the performance appraisal becomes a box ticking exercise, usually it's down to I suppose the manager's own recollections of that person over the last couple of weeks, how they get on with them, you know, all that kind of stuff. All this, we we need to be taken out of that and making it more professional, kind of going, this is an ongoing thing. It's how this person responds to things. It isn't whether I like them or I don't like them. It's about how they're doing with what they have to do. It, it keeps everyone honest, right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And um, the further it can get away from uh, formology, uh, box ticking, the rating scales I mentioned earlier, the better. Uh, I, I, I've been sufficiently known to be sufficiently arrogant that when I'd walk into an organization and they'd say, uh, we want you to help us um, take a, new, a fresh look at our performance uh, appraisal or management, I'd say, great, a pleasure to do that. Have you got a form that, that really helps you? And enthusiastically, I'm given a form. And I say, kind of dramatically, have you another copy of this? Oh, I have you. So I tear it up. To just say, I really want to say, I would be pretty certain it's an obstacle to what you want out of performance management. That's long before we came to the performance conversations piece. Uh, but it forms just get in the way. People see it as a form filling, not as a, an exchange of ideas as you clap eyes around a team member about what the priorities are going to be. I, I just also add there um, that um, it, whilst they, they, there can be structure to a performance conversation, um, it, it, I feel and we feel that the best way of getting the most out of those conversations is to have it in a fairly relaxed environment. So come away from a desk, come, you know, go for a walk. Um, although now I know we're not in the days of COVID, we, we have to be uh, via Zoom. But, um, you know, over a cup of coffee, um, it, it, it just it creates a more relaxed environment um, whilst also having a structure to the conversation. Very good. And the final question for you guys is the where performance conversations are at in Ireland. Is it really is it early days? Are there organisations already using it? Oh, oh, absolutely, there are. If you think of um, the, the major organisations, uh, international organisations that are in this country, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Amazon, Pfizer, um, um, PCH, all of those are using uh, a, a form of this. They call them one-on-ones. They call them job, they call them job chats. Uh, some call them uh, performance conversations. One of the companies that I had uh, as a case, mini case study in the, uh, that we had in the, in the book was, is a company called Version One. Uh, and, and they're a small Irish multinational. Um, and, and they actually call it performance conversations before we arrived uh, on, on their doorstep. So it is alive and well and living as wherever Jacques Brel is, uh, but for the moment only in the larger uh, organisations, but percolating downwards. Very good. Well, guys, with that, Frank Scott Lennon and Sinead Scott Lennon, uh, great to talk to you guys. Uh, HR for a Better Workplace, check it out. And the book, Performance Conversations, it's a pocket book. It's really handy and uh, very well produced. So, guys, thank you very much for your time. 